got seven or eight hits and one run, it's one to nothing. They got no hits, and it's like, you know, we had chances to grab that game, take that game. Didn't. And that's where we are right now, and you got to find a way when it's really difficult, and it's really difficult right now. I mean, you, we can ask all these questions in regards. We've answered them until we're blue in their face. we got to go out and do it. i got to quit answering these questions about this date and this perplexion, and we got to play better, period. We, and, the, and the great thing is it's right in front of us. It's right here, and we can fix it. It's right here. It's there, and we can, we can run away with this thing. And we got the dudes in there to do it. We got to do it, you know. We, we, if we don't score, tough to win. And I'll answer these same questions. Am I perplexed? What's yeah, I am. We got to do better. And, you know, the good thing is 1985, I'm not sure how that season ended for the Yankees. Uh, probably second or third place. Um, the good thing is we are in first place. And we, we, got, we got the pen. Reggie tells me all the time, we got the pen. We get to write the script the rest of the way. No one, no one else can get in our way if we go play our game. And that's what we got to do. But we got to, you know, we got to stop talking about it. You know, we got to. And that's the voice of Aaron Boone, folks. And uh, welcome. This is Speaking of Sports. This is Coach Al Harris here with up, Coach? Chad the Whiz Kid Grimley. Good morning. Happy Friday. Chuck, the boss, Grimley, and our producer, Jim. Jimmy, welcome. Keep up the good work. It worked, speaking of it, right? Four straight. Was it well-timed? He doesn't, he's not, doesn't go off too often. Yeah, I think with Stanton coming back, and uh, you had Judge might have went, what, 10 games without a home run, yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah. he gets a couple. And uh, You know, it's always a mystery in baseball. And, you know, you put Stanton back in, man. You talk about old boats rise, right? Uh, you pitch everybody different with one superstar, one hitter back in the lineup, at least pre, you know, before postseason. I thought it was well done by Booney. Uh, his temperament, cool, calm, and collected. You could almost hear him working, working himself up into a lather, good little crescendo there. And he was tired of answering the same questions, and he is frustrated with that type of talent. They've had a lot of injuries, like most clubs. So yeah, how does that translate to the clubhouse Chad, how does that translate to the dugout? All of a sudden, they win four, and people are saying, oh, but it's like the Phillies change of manager a little bit on a lesser scale. You know, how much credit does our manager really get? We'll never know. But let's go back to the Yankees, bud. What's your take on it? I, th I think a lot of it's just a mentality, a break of the players internalizing, focusing on themselves, and just saying, hey, well, here's what my coach just did. Something to get them distracted from beating themselves up. Oh, man, I was 0 for 4 today. I'm not hitting any home runs right now. And I'm giving up too many hits. And now it's the coach, you know, looking at the coach. He's the center of attention for the next, you know, 24 hours there in the media. Maybe it takes some stress off their shoulders. But bottom line, it worked. Yeah, in four straight wins, the Yankees are, are back to a comfortable spot. And it's something they really needed because if you look at how they started the season and just how much they were struggling, they started the season 61 and 23, which is the third best record since 1964, 384 games. And at the break, the Yankees were 64 and 28, which was four and a half games ahead of the next best record in the American League, which was the Astros. Since the All Star game, as of yesterday, the Yankees were 12 and 20, which is the second worst record in the AL. And they're leading the division, went from a high of 15 and a half games in early July down to seven games. Now today it's sitting at seven and a half after their win last night. So yeah, I think yeah, I think so in Boone's case, just like his dad, excellent speaker, quiet type guy. But when he says something, I think maybe each individual player might say to themselves, you know, maybe I should be doing a little yeah, more. Yeah, and it sort of spreads that way without anybody screaming at yeah. each other and so I, forth. I'll never figure out in my lifetime how account accountability transfers to the batter's box. You know, I've always asked that question of everybody. Um, you know, you see a, a reaction, and it's positive, and you attribute that to the time. You know, and yet, by the time you go to the clubhouse of the batter's box, it's irrelevant, but yet it, there's that correlation. It's a stark one. And you say, oh, wow, Booty went off, and the Yankees have won four straight. They're back. Yeah, well, Stanton's back. 
and a reliever's back, and finally the kid from Boston start hitting it up, tearing it up, right? I wonder how much that matters. It's timing, but the one thing he does do is he takes the attention off the team. You know, so that's all you talked about for the next week was Boone's outburst. And that's exactly what he wanted when he does something like that. How much it actually shakes up the clubhouse. They're a tight-knit group. You know, they, they see their leader, and he's upset. You know, But that doesn't make them try harder when they're facing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, right? You better be trying because if you get in the batter's box and for whatever reason you're lackadaisical and the guy's throwing 100 at you, you're going to wish you were trying. Yeah. There's no at-bat off in Major League Baseball. Oh, no, but I think the word respect, and they all respect Boone as a person and as a yeah. player and those type of things. So when he speaks, they're going to listen. Agreed. Yeah, so you're all for it. You think it was well-timed and yes, carried out definitely. right? One thing that was crazy is during this, this Yankee slump, you would think, oh, the whole team was struggling, right? Well, Aaron Judge was not. So in the second half of baseball, and again, the Yankees are, were 12-20 and 20 as of yesterday since the second half began. Judge is hitting 336 with a 1.275 OPS, even yeah. better than his first half numbers. Crazy. So it has not been on Judge at all, and that's the obvious thing you want to jump to and say, hey, the superstar's struggling. But he's been even better, which is just crazy. And, and when you think about all the situations he, he came up in that were now more to a uh, non-advantageous scenario with, with the team struggling, and he still delivered. And he's having an historic year now. He, he leads the baseball in basically every important offensive category. He's sitting here today with uh, 48 home runs. The next closest player is Schwarber with 34. And with uh, 37 games remaining now, he's on pace for 62 or 63 home runs right now. That's going to be fun to follow yeah. in September. Man. Now, the record for home runs is Barry Bonds with 73 and McGuire with 70. So while this is this looks pretty impossible, the, the, the all-time record, if he gets to 63... That would be the sixth best all-time, but it would also break the AL record of 61 set by Roger Maris in 1961. A.K.A. non-steroid. Yeah, non-steroid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think baseball peers still think of Maris having a record of 61. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. No yeah. doubt about mm-hmm. it, you know. But, uh, yeah, you talk about protection, play protection with Stanton and Judge, and you take Stanton out and Judge goes on and puts up better numbers. Hits the ball to all fields. Uh, he's a great hitter, and he looks too big to be a great hitter. You look at a guy that tall, and the first thing I think of is zones that you can throw in. Yeah, you stretch the strike zone, uh, and you're like, okay, we'll throw un, you know up under his armpits type of thing, high strikes, and he won't get to him. You know, how's he bring all that leverage up? Uh, but there aren't. You look at his uh, heat charts, maps, whatever they call it. There are no zones. You know, it's, it's just a great hitter. Yeah, he's improved his all-around He game. has improved. He has improved. And so what does that mean for postseason? Yankees, the tourist league, well, anyway, the last decade, they get in, they strike out a lot, the home runs go down, out they go. Is this a team that could get to the World Series? Well, we, well, sh- we should well, soon find out. <laughs> what do you think, bud? They, they absolutely can, but my, my personal prediction is from the AL is going to be Houston. Houston, yeah. And I think the Dodgers in the NL, are, I think that should be almost everyone's pick unless you want to be kind of out of the box maybe something different but the, the Dodgers different. the Dodgers different. there's I don't think <clears throat> who else you can support in, I'll right take now. the Braves you want to call me different huh no, I'll take <laughs> you ever the, hear Grissom I'll take the Dodgers you ever hear Harris Freddie Freeman Mookie Betts they're five pitchers with like two ERAs yeah they, they got the Braves are great but the Dodgers right now are, are no one's the Dodgers are, are having one of the best seasons in MLB history the run differential for the Dodgers right now, you can check it if you want. I think it's 275. 275. 275 yeah. run differential. The Almost rendered run differential meaningless. It's absurd. The next it's closest team is the Yankees at 197 and then Houston at 158. And who's fourth? Uh, looks like Atlanta at 135. Up and coming. Yeah, they very were, much up they and weren't coming. At, yeah. They weren't anywhere close to that. Yeah. But let's talk Phillies before we talk Braves. What's what's up, Coach Al, with the Phillies? Uh, is this a mirage? Is this really a team that's fifteen games over five hundred, whatever they are? It's a don't change the channel or leave for twenty minutes when it gets to be the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. It's it's amazing what some young kids have done, and I think they're doing it the right way with Stotts and Bohm has improved seventy five percent in the last two or three months. I mean, I think he's probably their best contact hitter and I think he's gonna be a real good third baseman. He's made some nice plays and no doubt. And I think it's the confidence factor with him. No and doubt. I don't think he had it with 
his previous manner, a manager which he has now with the Thompson. Did so. some did some R and D yesterday on the Phillies and just August numbers. This is not a compilation of the season. So in August, and I won't go through every one of them, uh, but the core six offensive players slash line. 296, 361 on base, uh, 500 slug, 860 OPS. And some may say, well, Jiggy didn't play the, the toughest teams in, in August. But guess what? If you put up those kind of numbers, that's impressive. And that's everybody, Schwarber, Hassenstown, you know, Castellano, Segura, JT. Um, I mean, JT is like, if he was playing like this back in April, you're talking MVP. He's doing an OPS 995, uh, best catcher in baseball by far, and a great contract for the Phillies. Um, but we'll continue. When they play the Mets, suddenly their run production braves one in three runs in, in August. Mets, two, zero, zero, two, two, four, nine. You get the drift yet that when they play these bad teams, they, well, they, that's yeah, like yeah. minor league pitching and strong major There's league There's no pitching. middle ground. There's no middle ground. It just seems like that when you play the bad teams, it's feast or famine. You know, they put up the, the, the seven runs a game type thing. Not always, but against the Mets, they can't score at all. And eventually you're going to play land in the Mets. So I, I don't know if I'm as optimistic. Uh, if they were beating up the Mets, playing 500 ball, because Atlanta is – and if you look at Atlanta's run production against the Mets, which I, I jotted down here, 6, 5, 13, 8, 5, 9. Wow. Here's a 3 and a 0, but do that math, and it's about three more runs than the Phillies are averaging. Why? Because they have that much better of an offense, especially with these two new cats. But before we move off the Phillies, Wiz, what do you got? What's the, what's the, what's the doctor say here about the Phillies? Well, it's um, I'm feeling pretty good still. As of today, they have a 97% chance to make the playoffs on Baseball Reference, a 90% chance on Fangraphs. So that's a celebration, just just right there, because we have we are now the the longest National League, if not all, all baseball, um, playoff drought. So just making the playoffs this year for me is a successful season. I don't need to see them win the World Series. I'd like to maybe, I'd like to maybe. Uh, you know, definitely win the wild card round. You know, win that game, and then I'm I'm happy with the season. I really am. I think they'll I think they'll battle hard in the playoffs. I I don't envision them going deep into the playoffs with with just how loaded some of the other other teams are. But it wouldn't surprise me if they if they upset someone. Well, because Nola and uh, Wheeler, I mean, you well, have to have a shot. Right? Yeah, Nola is is looking great with another uh, complete game yesterday. Wheeler, good. if he can get this um, comeback healthy, I think he's on the 15 day DL now with some with some tendonitis. I think it is. If he comes back full strength, back to what he can be, then him those two right there are as good as any two pitchers that you're you're going to really face against. You know, notable. We just have to talk about it for a, a minute. You've you've seen bad baseball matchups your entire life, but the other team can't hit. That's the the big deficiency. Okay, the Cincinnati Reds don't look like a major league baseball team. They did at least seven, eight, nine things in that series. Quite frankly, I've never seen done in in one series. I've seen bad throws, of course. I have not seen balls get thrown into the middle of the infield. I have not seen teams throw to the wrong base and let a guy score from first on a single. Uh, the, the way they played looked like a high school JV team. It, no one was obviously, I mean, they do hear you on the field. Everybody says, oh, you can't hear the players on the field. Well, first of all, the Phillies don't have 50,000 people in the stands. You do hear your middle infielders yelling four, five. They give you direction because they're, they're the point guard out there. Obviously not, you know, in this series. So balls were going to the wrong. I mean, the players are right in front of the outfielders, and they're lobbing the ball in the second, and they show the replay, and the runner hasn't touched third yet. Uh, uh, you know, credit to our third base coach a couple times who picked up on that. But uh, I just never saw that level of defensive play indifference 
in my entire life. And that's my point about competitive imbalance. These teams are basically double-A teams that were playing, and Washington, Cincinnati, they're not, they're not major league standard. It comes down to basic fundamentals, and you wonder how people can get that far and that don't far, have it. That far, yeah. How, how can you be on a major league baseball field and and conduct yourself at that you know defensively like that? It was, it was just absolutely horrendous. And then you have to listen to Cruck have a forty-five minute conversation on Rosenbach. I got to tell you something. I, you know, we've met John. He's been on the show, and you love John for everything he's been through. I almost can't listen to John Crook anymore. Seriously can't. He just rambles on about this, like, angry old man kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's like he doesn't like his job. You know he loves his job. But it comes off like he's annoyed all the time. Or, you know, he just wants to be a, constantly be a red ass. Or, you know, oh, well, yeah, well, we couldn't have done it. Yeah, Make a point. Talk about some other narrative that's around the game. Try to make a game that's never been as slow as it is now somewhat interesting by saying, you know, this guy off this pitch or, or, or predict the next pitch. That's a challenge. I do that the whole game and see how much in sync you get. Cruck makes slow baseball slower with the dialogue, and it's constant. And I'm just amazed that somebody in the Phillies organization hasn't reached out and said, yo, John, these rants are not rants, these rambling things you go on that continue that are indifferent to the game are, are getting to become too much. Now, they did mention it today. Finally, I heard it today on WIP. Ironically, they nominated Kruk as the winner of the week for something that went on in the outfield when they were all out there doing the game. Um, but Rhea and a couple other people said, you know, recently, old Krucky's been wearing some things out and they're talking about the rising back but have you do you watch enough Phillies game bud no I, I haven't seen that yeah. but I can't imagine how interesting a conversation about rosin bags can be when oh. everyone understands that it takes about two seconds to use them put them in your hands and get ready to pitch but it, well I think if the pitchers, pitchers were taking so much in between pitches John wouldn't have all that time he thinks he has to fill in with these things that really don't uh, pertain to you know the game. it's almost like he's he's just so annoyed to be doing what he's doing, but yet you know he loves that job. You know that. But his, the, the way he, he reacts to things is like, I can't wait for this to be over and get out of here. You know, it's a, well, I think he's, he's really hurting physically, and, and when yeah, sometimes you get in it. And I think is. that has something to do with it, that he, he wants that job, but it, yeah. it's a chore for him to even get up to the booth and yeah. go down I'm, and so forth. I'm obviously struggling for the right characterization. Um, let me see here. Let me reboot a little bit. How about this? He never enhances the action. And now, obviously, if the Phillies hit a, inside the park or run, of course, but he's not enhancing the banter in between the action by something of interest, colorful, entertaining, whatever. He makes stuff up. That's what this show has to be for 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, just, John, there's so many things you could say. But don't tell a story from last week. You never know Nobody where cares. he's going. Oh, man, yeah. I, I can't watch. You hear West Virginia stories and oh. family stories and, and so forth. And he wants to play himself off. Not me. I can get out stupid. I didn't know I was stupid. Oh, yeah. Hey, John, you weren't stupid. You know, John, not everybody did strike you out. You were a good hitter, actually. You know, it's just it, someone's got to get the job. Come on, John, and get back in the game, man. To make this add value to what you do. Don't detract from everything. And I, I apologize to everybody out there that loves Kruk. It's probably everybody except myself. Yeah, this might be his last year doing that. And at this stage of his career, they're going to go, all right, we'll finish the year with John. But I don't think he'll be there next year. I'd be surprised anyhow. Chad, before we get to the next hot take, how about this outfield that's not in the Hall of Fame? Oh, Jimmy, the producer, just gave me the first, you know, the first traffic light. I got it. <laughs> Toy goes quick, man. Uh, Sheffield, Pete Rose, and Dave Parker. How good's that, that outfield, huh? That's great. I don't know why Sheffield's not in. Yeah, 292, on 400 on base, 393, actually. Never let a good round get in the way of a good day. 514 slug, 907 on the OPS. How about this? 467 doubles, 27 trips. 
509. That's a thousand extra base hits. 4,000 times on base, nine times an all star. Gary Sheffield, we know why Rose isn't. Dave Parker, his numbers come down a little bit 293, 39, 471, 810. 2,700 hits, a million doubles, a lot of home runs, seven time all star. You just interesting. I was just interested to see how they compare to Bobby Abreu. I could, I, I couldn't resist. Two ninety one, three ninety five, four seventy five, eight seventy. So Sheffield and Abreu run neck and neck, both on base four thousand times. Um, offensively, you probably want to give the nod to Sheffield just to buy a scooch, you know. But uh, that's a heck of an outfit. Now, we know Rose, Rose's situation. I think most teams Sheffield played with, he was taken for granted. Just a good player, but there was always one or two players on that particular team he was with that were the major stars, for lack of better words. Quick Sheffield story. So <clears throat> we get to uh, the vet early one game, and the usher calls me over. He says, you got to watch this guy take batting practice. And I go, that's, that's Sheffield. I know Sheffield. You know, he, he annihilates the ball with the back. You know, the dip, like Dick Allen thing with all that. He says, no, he says, watch what's going to happen here. He says, he's going to hit a ball off the wall that will roll back to the infield at the vet. I'm like, no, that's not possible. You can't hit a ball off the wall. First of all, a grounder's not rolling back to the infield. And I don't care how hard you scorch a line drive, it's not rolling back to the infield. Except the next pitch, he did it. Or maybe it was three. You know, he goes, yeah, I've seen him do this so many times. I tell people, you know, so we don't know what the exit speeds were in batting practice, but I'm watching him at line drives off the wall and the outfielders, the way they're reacting to Shuffle's BP, it was like, get the heck out of the way, man. This guy's in the ball. Uh, speaking of exit speed, Chad, what do we have this week? Uh, well, we a got, new, a, new we new got record? a record of the exit velocity here just set by the Pirates. Shortstop. I don't want to say sensation, but but maybe O'Neill Cruz. He just hit a ball harder than anyone in MLB history since StatCast began tracking exit velocity in 2015. In Wednesday's game against the Braves, he hit a line drive off the right field wall at 122.4 miles per hour. 122.4. It wasn't close. To a double. Did you see it, bud? Oh, yeah. There was no chance. It yeah, went right. off the wall was, and right back to the right fielder. Actually, people was, who, who, who were at the game or who could see the different camera angles said that if... At the, first? If he could have been out at first if the first baseman <laughs> was covering because he thought it was a home run, so he wasn't running, and it came that hard of a ricochet off the wall right to the right fielder, That's which would have been insane. It's, it's table setting. Here we are. If a player could hit a ball off the wall, we were just talking about that with Sheffield. This is obviously harder. And he almost could, I don't think he would have been thrown, but say it's enough to think about being thrown out at first. What does that suggest on a ball hit back through the middle to a pitcher? Now, we were on this subject three weeks ago. We haven't done the bit yet because we're still researching it. Um, 122 miles an hour, Jimmy, back through the middle. Zero reaction time. Can we all agree on that? Oh, definitely. zero. Definitely. We're yeah. not saying a little bit. No, you can barely react to 100. 122, right. you have, there's no chance. No. We've seen the guys get hit in the face, yeah, the shoulder, where they don't even get their glove up. 122, back in the head area. Yeah, there's no chance. So is the theory then that Major League Baseball is saying until somebody has a catastrophic injury, we're not going to do anything about it? Because we've now hit 122 exit speed. Thank God the ball wasn't through the middle. Well, I'll throw, throw an old stat in. In 1920, a guy got hit in the head, and he died 12 hours later. And you know what Major League Baseball did? They made a rule then that, that any ball that had some marks or some dirt on it, they would take out of the game. So before that, you could throw the ball it, with marks on it. And, so th- and that's the problem. It's going to take someone to get seriously hurt before they do something here. It, Hopefully, you hope no one dies. In the meantime, again, that was a, we're talking about 100 years now. If someone gets hit in the face and, and you know, God forbid something like that happens, they're going to make those changes, but they should be in front of this. I don't know what yeah. the solution is. You can't put a net up. Well, Can you move the mound no, back? Put, that's and, it. That's the only solution. And you're going to throw a mush ball. I mean, that's yeah, the only solution is moving the mound back. 
Which how much you, do you, you move it to six inches make a well, difference? We have other research that shows the number of hundred mile an hour pitchers in the game or pitches in the game right now, and it's like a four to one ratio of five years All ago. All the guys are bringing it, so yeah. everybody's throwing a hundred audience. Everybody's throwing a hundred. So just on that alone, and the batting averages and the OPS going down, everybody wants more action. Event you're not going to make pitchers stop throwing hard. So with with everybody throwing a hundred, are you going to have any other choice? Other than move the mound back out, I mean, it gets inevitable. So why not do it now? Now, what's the pushback on that? From a sixty-five foot mound, it's going to really have to rewire pitching. Number one, mm-hmm. okay. definitely. Yeah, it's then four feet. So I'm like, oh, okay. Even though, even though they do long toss from one hundred twenty feet and they throw BBs in long toss, um, they're saying that the reaction on that ball four more feet not going to help. You hit a ball 122 back through the middle, bud? Yeah, I don't think it's an not extra, four feet. No, it's not an extra foot. And they're not even talking about no, four feet. No, they're talking about, about a like foot. six inches or a foot. <laughs> Which yeah. is a joke, so, right? So, I mean, yeah, that's the problem. You move it back, and what happens? The pitchers, there's going to be major backlash against the pitchers and the union there defending them. You're going to see pitchers saying, my arms hurt. They're going to injure like crazy because their curveballs are breaking at different spots in the, in the rotation. All these problems are going to come up, and it's not even really going to solve the problem that we're talking about here, which is, in that case, if you can't you can't move the mound back ten feet, obviously, <laughs> then what? There is no solution. So Al's from Brooklyn, 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 New York, Brooklyn, not Brooklyn. God forbid I start with with towns and cities next. Right? <laughs> uh, says you guys, great show, love it. More solution oriented. So I went back and forth, and she goes, "Don't tell us about the problem." Offers a solution. I like it. Be commissioner. Both of you solve the problem. What are you doing? Let's well, we put the problem have, on the table. Let's solve it. You you start with backing the mound up, and that covers the MLB for a couple years. How much? Whatever six inches a foot. Why are you doing it then? Because it's defense of the MLB. They'll say they're doing something, and then the secondly is they'll look at deadening baseballs more. But they've already probably. They've already messed around with baseballs enough, and and, and it, there's no perfect solution. There is none, unless you can have a net just appear out of nowhere after a pitcher releases the ball. So what's baseball going to do? Outgrow itself, talent wise. What you maybe can require is certain pitchers maybe wearing some type of head facial gear, not like, not like a football helmet, but something that covers their face. Girl softball. Yeah, but fifteen years but ago, like, not quite as big as a helmet, like a lot a little smaller. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was just seeing the pictures. Yeah, face yeah, guard, face yeah, like guard. an umpire thing almost. Why not? Yeah, I mean that will protect them. Maybe wear a heart thing over there. Why not? I don't know if they'll ever require that, but that's the stuff that's going to save lives. If you have a heart protector and a face mask, not mask, but the guard, face guard, like the girls wear, you've gone a long way to cut. Now the, the MLB will also probably say no one's died. There's been no... Coach Al's theory. That's why he yeah. put the stat up that he did. It was 100 years ago. That was the thing. Yeah. Well, Al is from... Almost that far back, yes. Wants I'll us, say it before you... She do. wants <laughs> us to be forward-thinking and put more remedy, solution to what we talk well, about. Well, I think you should probably Good start... point, Alice. Start with young kids with the mask. Now, I watched the Little League the other day. Bingo. And a kid... It was a line drive hit back, and it... The kid caught it right next to his ear. I mean, it was just happened to be his glove happened to be there, and boom, the ball was in the glove. If that's over six inches, that kid's still laying the on best, the best player in high school that we faced from Nazareth, Cipollone, hit a line drive so hard, Christian was pitching. And I knew she didn't see it, so I used the mound visit. I went out there. I thought I'd just talk to her and settle her down. So we go out there, and I'm looking down. I said, did you see it? She goes, nope, Dad. Didn't see it at all. Heard it. And... Right by her forehead. It was, I said, you never saw because you didn't react. And it was hit that hard. They called in softball, they call that the death ball. And, you know, because you're closer than 60 feet, obviously. But I, I just hope that Major League Baseball is not going to wait until they have the catastrophic circuit because notice has been served, man. They it's, will. They, they will wait. I think what wait. you want to do, you, you want to start with kids in Little League and get used to wearing something yeah. like that so by the time you're old enough to realize, but it's, 
I don't think – I think it's vanity as much as anything, Major League pitchers. I'm not weird. I'm I mean, just, just look at these hitters now. They're all gladiators. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no out-of-shape no. hitters anymore. No. You look back in the day – you'd you see some. But these guys now, every one of them looks like they're just chiseled. Except that one left-hander for the, the Mets. Yeah, the Mets guy. Yeah, yeah. he's a little big. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? He scored from first the other day. On a, on he a can ship. move yeah. a little bit. He yeah. hits the ball. He does yeah. hit the ball. So this kid, Cruz, also throws the ball across the infield at 100. Yeah, that's early. one thing. Did throw the ball to hundred, but he also hit the ball to twenty two. He, he really is something. Leverage. He's a specimen. He really is. Earlier this year, July fourteenth, he threw the ball at ninety eight miles per hour across the diamond from shortstop, and that was the hardest recorded assist ever by by Statcast too. So I mean the this guy's upside is is insane. Now in the big leagues thus far, he's he's really struggled. Yeah, he will. Um, he's hitting like one ninety nine because or they're like finding that. the holes in his frame. But yeah. his overall minor slash line, he's hitting two seventy five with a three forty on base. Yeah. And in twenty twenty one, he hit three ten with a nine seventy and double A and triple A combined. So yeah, the question I think for the Pirates right now, who's Cruz is twenty three years old, do you offer this guy? A ten or twelve year contract, like a land is thirty million dollars a year, yeah. which is a bargain if he ends up being a absolute top three player. Yeah, but a total waste of money if he ends up being like a Scott Kingery, I, I, where he just never develops. If I was listening correctly, I think you just said thirty million a year. That'd be a bargain you're, if he no, got that. No, but you're way high. That's not the scale. To what twenty million? No, you're way high. What do you think Landon just signed all those young guys to? I don't know. Eight mil. Are they expected to be? Yeah. Like Harris, Grissom, which one's not? Yeah, well, they're yeah. doing very good now. But yeah, Atlanta's so smart. You you had to look at their organization, and the guy who's killing us is this Dana. Is it Smith? Or the the Phillies drafted this VP of scouting that's got his cross checkers. Dana Brown, VP of scouting. He's the guy that had his cross checkers go find these high school kids. You know, Harris and Grissom. These kids are so good. They're drafted out of high school. And spent two years in the minors, tearing up the minors, skip triple A, come right to Atlanta. And that, you know, so we're, we're kind of segueing away here. Is that okay? To the Braves. So you now have this team that we talked about last week that the core players are 24 years old. Who are we talking about? Acuna Swanson, Riley, Olsen, Contreras, Albies, Grissom, Harris. It averages out to 24. They're all signed except Swanson. This team's going to score six runs a game for the next 10 years, Coach. Oh, I believe and, that. And 100%. the Cardinals are in the same situation with the young guys. Not as good, you know, in the metrics. But Atlanta, these guys, Grissom and Harris, just came up at 21. Check out their combined slash line. Grissom and Harris, 343 batting average. 390 on base, 580 slug, 980, okay, OPS. And they join the rest of those guys, and Atlanta's offense is just, boom, elevated. Six and a half runs a game the last 38. Oh, they're strong one through nine, no doubt about it. Yeah, they look like they're going to score nine runs a game. What are you going to do, bud? How are you going to stop that offense? It's hard. I mean, you can't stop that offense. It's just how can you try to contain them and hope to just score more than them on on any given night. But they're going to they're gonna be an elite team for a while, a really long time. What does that make the Phillies organization think? We got Schwarber. Yeah, we have Schwarber right? and Hoskins. Well, that's no, okay. We have some potential. That's, I'm do, all right with Hoskins. Not, it's, uh, not, it's not the Braves, but the Phillies are in trouble in that sense. They, they really are. You know the break they get, the new schedule, the new Major League Baseball schedule? They're going it to helps. play their – talk about their division, what they do less and all that. But. Yeah, they're so with the new – uh, baseball schedule coming out. Normally, teams would play their division 76 times, but now it's going to be down to 52 times. So that means you would play... You, you're basically going from about 19 games per team in your division to about 13. So we're going to be playing the Braves about... Braves and Mets combined, like about 12 less games a year right there. I think the and that's a, And that's significant because these are two teams that are going to be well over 500 baseball. So if we're taking those out of our, out of our rotation and getting 12 more games against some type of average team because it's going to average out, that's going to help. If Atlanta yeah. and the Mets project for the next five years as 98 to 103 win teams, and by the way, Coach, they do. They do all day long because I didn't get into the Braves pitching, which is just as young and talented as their position players. So if you're playing 100-win teams, Mets-Atlanta, 
you got to be really happy to see him less. I don't care who you give me in the American League to play more of, right? It yeah, doesn't you matter. You can't be upset if, if you're the Phillies thinking, hey, we're playing the Braves and Mets oh. less right now. You got to love that, right? You got to love with, that. With the Mets, when they bring out the Grom and Scherzer, I mean. I mean, yeah. the Phillies organization has to look at this, this Atlanta organization and just say, they beat us to the punch. I mean, and this is one organization where you don't fall back on the um, international market that we've been talking about every week, how all the other teams beat us to that punch too because we don't have a marquee international player. The Braves' talent, it's all homegrown. It's all how good's your drafting. What everybody we just talked about is homegrown. It's the Cardinals, same thing, except, well, obviously the stars are different. Speaking of stars, what kind of years Goldschmidt have? Oh my God, Paul Goldschmidt. Let's look. Let's look at the. Um, How's that segue? The, M- like M- that? the MVP favorites right now, and they're really there's, there's really no one to. Even, it's pretty much a lock unless something crazy happens the last couple weeks. In the NL, you have Paul Goldschmidt. He's hitting three forty this year with a four twenty on base percentage, six thirty seven slug, and the only guy in the National League with an OPS over a thousand. His OPS plus is just shy of 200, which is really remarkable when you think about where the next closest person is. You got like Freddie Freeman's like a 160 OPS plus, and, and Goldschmidt's sitting here with a 196. And his numbers, they're insane. No one is even close in that sense in the NL. Nolan Arenado from, from uh, St. Louis is having a great year. He's hitting 300 and OPS of 920. But that's not close to what Goldschmidt's doing right now. Not close. He's got 105 RBIs, 33 home runs. 150 hits, 90 runs scored, and he's he's unstoppable right now. I think at 34 years old, he's having the best season of his career. Very, very impressive, and he's the easy lock for the NL MVP. Looking at the AL, it's obvious here. It's Aaron Judge, and there's a little more maybe close to competition, but not much. Uh, Judge, 106 RBIs, shy of 50 home runs. Closest guy statistically is Jordan Alvarez from Houston with a 294 batting average and a thousand OPS. His OPS is actually pretty close uh, to Judge, but um, at the end of the day, what Judge is doing with almost 50 home runs is just insane, and that's why Judge is going to win the AL MVP. So again, unless something crazy happens the next couple of weeks, these guys go in some insane slump, you know, sub 200 for September. It, it's it's Goldschmidt and Judge, and if, they've earned it. If you break it all apart and unpack the whole thing, and I know that you would probably not give an MVP to a team that's sub-15, 500 out of the playoffs, but how do you measure Otani when he puts up really good offensive numbers and pitching-wise he puts up really good pitching numbers, either one spectacular but both really good. Yeah. Doesn't he contribute enough to be MVP? Oh, he do- absolutely does. And I think the Angels were, were actually in contention for something and are making a playoff run. I would I would yeah, see Otani in that MVP category, but coming off the MVP last year. I agree. And the Angels being just really what bad again. You just can't go back-to-back when Judge is, is going to maybe break an AL home run record here. The owner says, time to sell, Al. <laughs> oh, I mean, your individual performance is great, but you have to consider the team. Like yeah, just yeah, it just never works. San Diego, it's never going to work. I don't care how many stars you give them. Right? Tatis, Soto, They're Ricardo, too undisciplined. Yeah. It's not going to work in San Diego. What is it? Cult, talk about culture. We started off talking about Boone and the Yankees and culture. You go there, you got to shave your beard, da 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 and it works. Now, my dad would say, yeah, they also have really good talent, but don't forget to throw that in. But why is it like San Diego is never going to be built to win culture-wise? What is it? It's tough to get the right mixture of talent and personalities and who wants to be number one, but, oh, you're only number three on this team. And there's a lot of, you know, these guys are pampered since they were eight years old. Had a chance to become the first half-billion-dollar contract, right? Instead, he'd rather ride motorcycles through the – Countryside, if you if you got Tatis's contract and you're senior VP, GM, whatever the, all the attorneys are in, you're not going to put a clause in his contract that he can't ride a motorcycle. What do you think? Yeah. Come on, yeah, this guy's a half I mean, billion dollar player. Project. You got to keep him safe. At the end of the day, he's an employee of the organization. They got to keep him safe. You can't have Tatis getting injured. He's already taking steroids now. 
it, it's a mess. It'll never be right there. No, it's a mess. The whole team is just it's an unorganized, undisciplined mess over there. It with really so is. much talent. It really so is. much talent, but they seem like a bunch of young guys who just haven't matured enough yet to to get serious and and and, and say we're winning, we're winning now. They seem like they're just having fun. Yeah, that's good way. It's a good way to put it. Which well, is fine. Yeah, you gotta have Soto, fun. But Soto's not busted. It. I watch. No, him yeah, Soto. He's no. He's making four hundred million dollars. He's <laughs> like, what? What? No, come on. <laughs> the new team for him. He ain't like, going first to third. He's yeah, not hustling. He's, he's no not need. leaping at the wall. No, no, he never will. Is it possible that Albert would have the best year of his career now at forty-two or four? Forty-two. Forty-two. Not only the best, one of the best years of his. The best. Let's, let's put this in perspective. What we're talking about here in August right now, at 42 years old, he's having one of the best months in MLB history. History, Al. <laughs> he is hitting at 42 years old. He's hitting 432 with a 490 on base percentage, 980 slug, no. almost a 1.5 OPS, seven home runs, three doubles in 49 plate appearances. The only player or players in MLB history with at least as many plate appearances as Pujols that have a higher OPS in August are Sean Barry in 1998 and Barry Bonds in 02, 03, and 04. Obviously, steroids going on there. But no one, including those guys I just named, including Barry Bonds, have done in August at 42 years old what Albert Pujols is doing right now. How? Why? Explain to me. I mean, he didn't go into juice at 42, right? You, you, you gotta mean, wonder. No, not Albert. not that. You gotta wonder: is his is he just? He's he's back home in St. Louis. He's going for. They're, they're gonna. St. Louis is gonna make the playoffs. They're fighting for that. It's his last year. Is he somehow just dialed in mentally in such a way where he yeah. is just laser focused and and everything's connecting? And just I, to, I don't, I don't just know. to frame your forty nine plate appearances so people don't get the wrong impression that that's all he's had for this year. That was the streak, or that was August, did you say? It was just August we're Just August. At. Okay, fine. So you may say, okay, that's kind of a fluky thing in August, but how's he doing over the season? 75 games, okay? 280, 350, 529, you know, let's call it 900, which if you eyeball up real quick, you got to go back, ironically, to his last year with the Cardinals. The Angels got to be looking at this and go, what can that's we weird. do right we sign the guy. He's a flop. We get Otani and Trout. We can't win. We draft all pitchers last year. We can't pitch. Sell the team. I've had enough of it. It's unbelievable. It is. But what? What? That possession. I mean, there, there's there there are rumors going around that they've been playing you know teams not in contention that are maybe giving them lollipops pitches. Oh, that, I don't buy it. I've heard you? that. Nah, I don't bullshit. buy it either. Nah. Um, I think he's just dialed in. He knows his time is coming is coming to an end here in baseball, and whatever his next journey is, his, he only has a couple weeks or two months left or so to play, and he wants to go and perform at the highest level possible. Maybe get to seven hundred home runs. I think he's just inspired right now. Maybe at a way he hasn't felt this inspired and motivated in a long time. Well, once again, as my dad would say, very wise man, you know, buddy, you can be inspired all you want. That doesn't make you 100-mile-hour pitching right now. You know what's amazing? <laughs> I, saw, do it. I saw a couple yeah. of his at-bats at recently where he hit home runs. One was maybe three inches below the knees, and he hit one around eye level. He tomahawked it out. Well, I that mean, sounds was, like first pitch swinging. You know? or, or guessing that, well Well, or that's something. what I mean. That yeah. sounds like somebody going up saying, I'm swinging, as our uh, guy did the other night to win the game. The little guy, the lefty, well, he's not little, he's 6'2", actually. The guy that got the gay-winning. Uh, Maton? Um, yeah, and we were talking about why he didn't uh, bunt there, or why didn't the pitcher throw another slider. Yes, another slider. They throw him a yeah. slider. Okay, he misses by two feet, and he comes back. And Maton says, I have no chance there, which he's right, so I'm going to sit and guess fastball. Because every major league hitter, as we know, by the time he gets the major leagues, can do what? Hit a fastball, or you won't be up yet, Okay. You have to prove that in the minors. So he gives it one ninety nine right down Broadway, and he smokes it. Yeah. Wait, hey, hold, on, hold on. I think you're on to something. I want to get on to this. Sure, good. Albert Pools on the first pitch this year is hitting five twenty nine. There you go. And furthermore, if it's a one zero count, so one zero yeah, count, one zero count, six forty seven. 
Bingo. How about that? Bingo. Okay. <laughs> throw throw Chuck some love. And I did not know that. That was not that, a setup. And that's not like two or three at-bats. On the first pitch, he's got 17 at-bats where he swung there. Or 18, I'm sorry. 18 plate appearance on the first pitch. And 1-0 count, 17. So he's he's had you know 35 combined at-bats or so here where he's hitting 500 or higher on these first two pitches. I guess, I don't know, maybe he's looking for a spot and he's getting that spot right now in August. Can you just say he's locked in? Yeah. <laughs> I think by now the major leagues would have adjusted. He's not seeing any first pitch strikes, whatever. God bless but him. I'll tell you, it's I, I just thought that example the other day with that guy not coming back with his slider. Oh, I, mean, I mean, you already saw the strikeout in front of you if he throws it again. And you're like, okay, they're going to win the game with two outs. And he, and he throws him a fastball. And, you know, I just sit now. What I would have done there with Maintana is said, you get a swing, tend it, you, you've earned that, and then we're going to go bunt. And we had a debate with Pete on that. It, there's no magic bullet, right answer here, of course, but, um, you know, I think it, 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 chances would have been better to get the bunt down on the slider than hit it. But he threw a fastball. So and the sliders he missed were like a, he missed them by a foot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing just to clarify, I'd like to circle back. When we were talking about the Cardinals, we did not underscore these young guys that we're talking about. We know about the stars, but this Tommy Edmond and and Carlson, uh, Dion Carlson, and Brandon Donovan. Some tough names there. Nolan Gorman, Bader. Lars uh, Newt Bar. Newt Bar. These guys are all uh, younger than 27, a lot like the Braves. Through the draft, bumper crop, they've all come up. They're all doing good. A lot of these guys are super young, like 22. The Cardinals and the Braves look like they're loaded for the next decade. What's up next, Wiz? Well, kid, I would like to talk about one more thing here, and that is something I mentioned earlier, and I guess I'll tie right into the rant, and I'll tie right into my rant specifically. And that's the optimal Phillies lineup. Because with Harper coming back back, and the team being as hot as they've been since the second half began, I think it's a good time with Segura back, Harper coming back tonight, actually, um, to say what is the optimal lineup. Because you got a lot of guys in there, like Bohm and Stott, who are just doing really tremendous right now, and it creates a really hard situation. Are are you using rant time for this? I I will. I'll just run this into my rant. I think... Segura has to be your leadoff hitter. And I'll just give you the quick reasons why. He has a 330 batting average and a 391 on base since returning from injury. He hits lefties and righties, and he's fast. I see no reason why anyone else should be leading off. JT needs to be our two hitter, in my opinion. Why? His team leading 647 slug in the second half with a 1000 OPS in the second half. He is as hot as any hitter. He cannot be low in this lineup. He absolutely cannot be. Harper's the obvious three-hitter. No reason, no support needed for there. Number four, I like Castellanos. Why? He's hitting 315 in the second half with 800 OPS. He has been on fire in the second half of baseball. He is back. And you can't look at all season statistics at this point. It's too many games where someone started hot, and now they're struggling. Their numbers still look good. They're still looking. Yeah, exactly. What have you done for me lately? Number five, I have Alec Bohm. He's hitting 330 in the second half. 830 OPS. I could see Bohm 4. I could see that switch between Bohm and Castellanos, but I do think that Castellanos is a little more feared, so I, I, so I, could, I had him I could, I could see Bohm setting the table to it, too. Yeah, but I don't want to drop JT. That's my problem. I got you. Next, I had Hoskins at 6, because he's got an 800 OPS in the second yeah. half. Yeah. Then I had Stott at 7, yeah. and that's tough, because he's, he's hitting 300 in the second half, Stott, with a 800 like OPS as well. Number 8, I have my favorite player, Kyle Schwarber. Who in the second half has got a 226 batting average and a 746 OPS? Lowest on the team. Okay, any, the good anyone worried about Schwarber's home runs? Okay, look at his power numbers. Schwarber's slugging in the second half, ranks behind JT, Bohm, Stott, Hoskins, Castellanos, Segura, Sosa, and Marsh, who's injured. His OBP is behind JT, Segura, Bohm, Stott, Hoskins, Castellanos. Yeah. Uh, so way down. Somebody told this. They're way down. Gee, which one on our crew was speaking against this guy? Somebody texted me last night and said, I know, we get it. You don't like Schwarber. Yeah? And I know nothing. As you do? Yeah. Uh, and as you support. And to close this lineup, yeah. I have Beerling uh, in you, the Tony. nine hole because someone's got to play center field. But um, the, the biggest thing there is Schwarber has to be down the lineup. He's our leadoff hitter still, and he goes 0 for 5 every other night. Uh, I can't watch him either. Him and uh, Kruk, I uh, hope I'm 
not around either one of them next year. You Randy Raven, Beba? Well, I have a rant, which was just about 90% taken by the, the whiz kid, but we've done that back and forth in other weeks, whatever. So the only thing I would like to add to that is when Marsh went out, so you picked up Zimmer for that 10 days or 15 days. You know he's a 100 hitter, but at least he could catch the ball. Now, all of a sudden, Zimmer goes out. Can't you bring up somebody that can catch a routine fly ball in the outfield rather than have to throw infielders out there and nobody's taken over? Like, Veerling was in center, so he should be calling somebody off. So you lack that when they aren't natural outfielders. Yeah, well, the setback there was Boniac. Didn't work out, right? Um, who else am I thinking of in the, in the outfield? Well, Herrera's gone. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure he could still be on the team. Different player, different attitude. No doubt. If Herrera's busting his tail on every play, his numbers say he's better than any any other center fielder defensively too. But they were looking for an exit. With well, Herrera. you know what I would they like to it. see him do about three weeks ago. Maybe it'd been too much money to pick up Jackie Bradley Jr. Just for a little oh, bit. He's him. always been a great oh, defensive outfielder. He's playing well now again. But he was there to be had if they wanted to make a deal. If they don't move Schwarber out of because we like to be in front of things that are going to happen, we've done a good job of that. If they don't move Kyle Schwarber out of uh, the first batting leadoff, look for him to destroy him in postseason. When he comes up against an elite lefty, he'll have no chance. His patent average is 125 against elite lefties late in the game. Uh, used to say Josh Hader, not not recently, but they have to make that move. Uh, my rave will be the Yankees announcer, uh, John Sterling, right? Sterling. Right? How many years, three decades of tremendous announcing? I get the chills when I hear the guy. I know you're a Yankee fan. You love all things Yankees. But I really love this guy. And I just think that his calls are uh, remarkable. It's such a brand of the Yankees. Chad, you know what I'm talking about yeah, here? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, I just absolutely love the guy. And I think, Jimmy, well, before we go out of here, we got to give the information a little housekeeping here, bud. Yeah, as always. And please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can find us on our website, speakingofsportspod.com, our Twitter, Speaking of Sports Podcast, on Facebook, Speaking of Sports. We're on YouTube. If you look at YouTube, Wildfire Podcasting, you'll find you'll find our episodes there. That's uh, that's Jim there. That's the producer company. He handles all that, some really cool stuff, and a lot of other podcasts you can watch too, but that's where you'll find us. Check us out. Whatever platform is best for you or just the podcast itself. If you just want the audio, any one of the podcast platforms. That's yeah, where you'll get us. Record numbers last week, gang. We appreciate uh, your, your your copies, your views, your feedback. Got some really good, interesting texts. Uh, 609-828-5569. Uh, keep them coming. The comments are, are terrific. And uh, everybody have a good weekend. Jimmy, great job as always on the production side. And why don't you take us out with uh, a little... John Sterling, the Yankees announcer. The pitch is swung on and hit in the end of deep left. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a walk-off three-run home run. It's a judging blast to deep left center into the bullpen. And the Yankees win the ball game by the score of 6-3. All right, all rise. Here comes the judge. Well, in this phenomenal Yankee season, another phenomenal game.